Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, a show where we explore the world of sport, music and business, and we deconstruct the tools and ethos of world-class performers to create growth and optimise business. I'm Noel Allnett, the CEO of Securo, and today I'll be talking to veteran Matthew Oakley. Although young in years, Matt is a great example of resilience. Having spent time in the military, Matt has had to go through some serious change and self-exploration to reintegrate into civilian life. He now works for an organisation named Soldier On that works side by side with veterans to strengthen resilience and develop meaningful connections, create employment opportunities and much, much more. Building Resilience Podcast. Matt Oaks, welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast. How are you getting on today? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. I'm very well. Um, I'm excited to have you on the show today and hear more about your story. Um, you're doing some great work out there with the veteran community um, inside the organisation Soldier On. Um, but what I'd love to do as part of this show is understand more about yourself, uh, where you came from, um, what got you into the military to begin with, um, and then really understand a bit more around yourself and what you think resiliency looks like, and then we can really get into get into kind of today. Um, so, without further ado, Matt, talk me through it. How did you end up uh, getting into the uh, getting into the defence force? Yeah, fantastic, and um, it's definitely an interesting question because if you you know if you look at the whole social dynamic of things, you know why do people join the army, or like why pe- why do people join the defence or the military these days? You know, gone are the days of you know the first and second world war, where it was almost like a you know a duty to country. That's all sort of moved on, and we're in this whole new dynamic these um, these days. So <clears throat> for myself, when it came to it. It's always been a bit of a passion of mine. I remember, you know, growing up with Anzac Day and sort of being educated about, you know, the Anzacs and what they did, um, having family fought there. Um, and I guess 2010, I remember watching the Australian forces over in Afghanistan in firefights and there was this real drive to want to kind of give back and, you know, do something for the country in a way. Um, and between, I guess, personal circumstances, um, I had a lot of family issues growing up between, um, you know, my mother going for a lot of, uh, I guess, suicide attempts, my brother being sick in a wheelchair. So I had a lot of prolonged issues and it kind of pushed me to join the fence and be able to provide and support my family. So between the passion and the need to support my family, it was a big drive. So I joined the army at 17, three months, which is considered quite young, um, and I did my basic training, which took three months, did my employment training. And, you know, I wasn't even fully, I wasn't 18 yet. And I was in a unit ready to go. Um, and I wasn't even old enough to drink yet, but I was old enough to uh, kind of be a soldier. Um, so I had a lot of motivating factors there. It's amazing what the, what humans can do when we, when we're, when we're faced with, um, faced with challenges um, specifically around family um, and having that protective and mindset and that uh, responsibility um, to look after one's family. Mm. Um, Help me understand what that first few weeks and months were like. Like you said, you're very young. I'm sure it was daunting going in at, going in at that age, although we do have an element of fearlessness, I guess, as we, uh, uh, in, in our teenage years. But yeah, help me understand what the, the, what that what that first few months looked like. Well, if you if you go back to day one at basic training, it was just that, that feeling of ah shit. <laughs> you know, I'm a teenager that's just gotten this job and everyone's yelling at you, and it's a bit of mass confusion. But there was a lot of excitement. Um, you know, people were still 
school at the time, finishing their, you know, to finishing their ATAR, HSC, whatever you'd like to call it in different states. But, um, you know, I was training to become a soldier and I was so excited. It was, there was something new happening all the time. Um, and, you know, I remember getting told at my base or sorry, my employment training to become a rifleman that, you know, if I go to this certain unit being um, seven RAR, I'll go to Afghanistan. So there was this major passion to want to be a part of that and want to get involved. So, you know, there was a lot of excitement um, and you sort of didn't have that fear factor at all. It was just so much going on and we were shooting rockets, um, shooting machine guns, throwing grenades, you know, doing all that exciting stuff you see in the movies. So, you know, there wasn't really any fear factor. It was more exciting, like excitement. And it sort of touches sort of back on those previous days where all these people used to enlist because it was a level of excitement, you know, like adventure. So it definitely was kind of tapping into that. Yeah, cool. And then you obviously uh, develop within the within the army, um, yep. and you end up going on tours. Um, what was that like? Talk me through the the mindset of having to uh, to get out of bed in the morning and uh, and essentially be ready for ready for battle. Well, it happened. It happened very very quickly. So I got to my unit, and eight months later, we were pretty much on a plane to Afghanistan. Um, you know, I got into my unit of September 2015 and by December I found out that we were one of the rotations to head to Afghanistan so you know it's just sort of like that dream of a kid to want to go see and experience it was actually happening now and there was a lot of mixed feelings and mixed emotions of excitement and you know I just I just um, started the relationship with my partner so there was a lot of factors being like oh <laughs> this is all happening um, and you know telling my mum and my family and that was a bit of a, a bit of a shock to them so um, I had to sign my own will, you know, I turned 18 in the unit, so I had to sign my own will and get prepared. And, you know, that, that thought of actually death wasn't really, uh, wasn't, you didn't really think about that. you know, you were more thinking about the job at hand and what you were going to do. And we did a lot of extensive training to prepare, um, you know, going over to a war zone. What does the preparation look like? It's when I speak to high-performing athletes and musicians, the one thing that really stands out um, is the the fact that they put in the time and effort to to get ready for the task in hand. Yeah, um, very few people that really make it um, or succeed in in any form of uh, any form of business or or. Um, or profession. Um, if they don't put the time and effort in, they don't end up reaping the rewards. And of course, the army's known for discipline. Uh, mm. and it's known for structure. Um, could you talk me through what that discipline and structure looked like and that preparation? Yeah. So I guess when you talk about your discipline and structure, it's it's a great interview from day one. You know, they've got to try and break you down as this sort of civilian to what they need you to be and then build you back up to being a soldier, airman or sailor. So, you know, they'll they'll they give you drill, they give you timings. Um, and if you're not five minutes early, five minutes late, that sort of attitude where it's always ingrained to you to be, um, I guess, professional at all times, be on time, dress smart, because, you know, you're always getting scrutinised in the public eye. So from day one, it's put into you. So when we discuss going over to Afghanistan, you know, it's not much drill. Like you're not doing much drill there. You're more doing actual combat war fighting. So that there's a different bit of a mindset, but there's a lot of premises that still remain where, you need to be on top of your game at all times. You still need to maintain that level of integrity. So, you know, when things, when you're tired, when you're cold, you still need to be able to perform. Um, regarding our training, there was always that element where if you're not fit for, um, if you're not fit 
to go over or if you're not meeting certain criteria, you could be removed from the trip. So everyone had to perform and it was almost like first in best dress. Everyone was fighting to keep on that trip or fighting to be the, you know, at the top of their game to make sure that they actually got to go overseas. And we were doing physical training, um, you know, actual job specific training. So actually our role over there was providing guardian angels, which was means vital asset protection. So being attached to a high ranking official, protecting them um, to make sure they can do their role. So we were learning how to, if there was a threat, if there was an enemy, providing briefs. I was specialising over there as a combat medic. So, you know, I had to learn how to provide intravenous drugs. And for months we did drills. You know, we were doing, we were putting a lot of rounds down range, um, just getting that unconscious mindset, you know. And the biggest thing I think to to keep us um, going and you talk about, you know, what was the prep was the drive. You talk about athletes, you've got to have the drive. You've got to have the want. Because if you're not, if you're not hundred percent in, you're not going to do it. Yeah. Especially when there's uh, when, when, when we talk about life and death, um, we often talk about it um, in, in too much of a kind of relaxed way. Do you know what I mean? And things mm. that generally aren't life and death, but of course in your scenario, it really is. So that drive, that drive that you built up, the drive from, um, from leaving home, joining the army, taking on that responsibility, um, and then being in Afghanistan. Um, what were the tips or tricks or habits that you had that maintained that drive and, and that mindset? I guess the, the big the big leading factors from beginning to finish was to go up over and do it. Mm. The drive was to actually go and experience it. You know, we all talk about experience and wanting to, you know, go out there and see what the world is. And I had this passion and wanted to go over, you know, seeing, seeing the previous generations going over to fight. It almost felt like, um, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's very surreal. Um, and even six years on, I'm still, I still revert quite often back to the feeling, but it was just such a feeling of adventure. I'm like, it's such a unique experience, especially these days, to go to a war zone um, with the military. So I was so driven as an individual to get there. And it wasn't about how much you're willing to, you know, how fun it was. It was how much you're willing to sort of like suffer through to achieve that. You know, there was times there where I was like, God, this sucks. You know, we'd be doing physical activities where we were absolutely exhausted. Um, but there was that still that part in the back of your mind saying, just keep going. And even through basic training, I always had that mindset that if I ever get the opportunity to go over, I'll go over. So I always pushed harder and harder and harder. Um, so when it came upon me to actually go over, it felt, it just felt very surreal, almost like an achievement in a way. Um, um, and then getting over there was a completely different thing as well. So going over was something else. Yeah, so you get it. So it's a it's it's a constant drive. So once you you want to get there, once you get there, you want to stay there. You've then got this role as a guardian angel. You obviously then have to to do the protection whilst you're there. So it's a, a constant requirement to stay motivated, stay focused, and and on top of your game. Um, when you're sat in the pub with your mates, or sat on the beach, what's the what's the one story that you tell? Um, over and over again. What's the what's that story that the, the that your partner kind of raises the eyebrow and goes, "Here we go again." Because you must have some amazing tales of uh, of resiliency from uh, from your time in Afghanistan. Um, we, I guess, our deployment was very different to what you would have seen on TV. You know, we look at the British forces that were over there um, in Helmand, and they were in a completely different deployment of what we were. So, our level of resilience. Um, it was very different. Um, a story that sort of sits at me um, 
I wouldn't say there's a bit of resilience, but it was almost like training coming into effect. And all that resilience training that I did and all that drive led me to that one moment to actually perform. And we just finished, I was just finishing seeing a group of Afghans um, doing their training and I'd just come off two weeks in Europe. So we had a two week block where we got to go off and actually have a bit of R&R. So I'd just come back into country and I was a little bit, not edgy, but, you know, getting back into that mindset of being in a war zone, getting into it. Um, we just finished seeing a group. And as I was walking away, um, one of the Afghan soldiers let a five round burst out with his machine gun. <clears throat> now I couldn't tell at the time if he had um, live rounds on, if they were just blanks. So blanks just go bang. There's no actual rounds that go out, but I couldn't tell if that was, and all that training and all that resilience and all that, you know, time under pressure, all that time, all that heightened awareness sort of like acted. And all I remember is just turn, like, I don't, I don't even remember it. It just felt like almost slow-mo, but I just turned around, pointed my weapon at him and was almost ready to obviously pull the trigger. So all like, they talk about your training kicking and it was almost like that. Like I didn't almost think it just acted. So it was a very, like very interesting experience that I reflect on quite a bit. Yeah. Just that acting versus thinking. Uh, because yeah. it's uh, become such a second nature and you're already in that state of flow because uh, your body knows that you've gone through this process over and over again um, on the in, in practice and in training that it just becomes that second nature to uh, to, to act. That's, uh, that's awesome. And we hear that a lot across uh, people who've thrown in that time and effort in order to be, to be masters of their craft. Yeah. So you were seven years in the Australian Army as a rifleman and uh, tours, of, tours of Afghanistan. You then start, you then, you then come back to Australia and, yeah. and then your, uh, your career's taken, um, a, a different path now, uh, looking at, uh, looking at things on a more, uh, on a more domestic level. Uh, could you talk me through your time now as a pathways officer and, um, and what your, your time out there, um, in the Australian army is, is, is how that's helping you, um, master, uh, master a new craft essentially. Yeah, definitely. And I'm um, I'm actually still currently serving as a part-time member. Um, okay, so I still serve um, in the reserves. So, you know, just alone in the last day or two, we've actually been called up to go assist with the flood efforts in Sydney. Um, so, you know, there's always potential to still continue to engage with the military. But um, big shift going from being over in Afghanistan and coming back to where I am today. Um, I got back and I sort of wasn't satisfying a need anymore. Um, and almost felt like there was a void, you know, I had such a crazy experience at 18. Um, so to come back and go back into what was the previous for me. So that training rinse and repeat was not really meeting a need for me anymore. <clears throat> and I found myself getting very, very jaded. So I took that time to, I finished my, um, term of service, which was four years and I decided to get out and I was, I was so jaded at that point that I didn't care what I went into. I just jumped, um, and what an experience that was. I went from being a soldier, like a full-time soldier, to a security officer. Um, and I bounced between security roles, trying to, I guess, find that purpose and again, because I, I just couldn't find that. Um, and you, you talk about drive and resilience, but, you know, you need to have that drive. And I didn't have that, so I was bouncing between roles. And um, something you find very often is people you know, leaving the military and try to go to another paramilitary organization like you um, discussed before about the fact, you know, um, cybersecurity have a bit of a crossover. There's always that need to fulfill that crossover. There are, I can't speak for all because some people want to get out of the military and not have nothing to do with it at all. But 
a good portion of people get out and they want to still try to be in an organisation that aligns similar to their time in defence. So whether it's emergency services, cyber security. So for myself, um, you know, I joined the police and it didn't work out. I had a situation there where it didn't work out for me and I had to hit the stop and reset button and I pretty much picked up my whole life and moved up here. And that's another story on its own. But, you know, I felt to a degree like a failure. And by meeting the right people before moving up and working on myself when I got up to New South Wales, um, I was lucky enough to score a role with Soldier On. And it was a massive learning curve for me. They didn't hire me on my ability to be, you know, in the corporate space, engaging with stakeholders and communicating. They were hiring me because I was a veteran. You know, what my mindset brought and the time that I had in defence and understanding the veterans' needs because there is a massive issue out there with the veteran community and, and obviously readjustment, um, unfortunately, suicidal ideation. So, for me, I had a very good concept of that and I'd gone through a similar experience. So, to come into Soldier On, I brought the... Um, I brought the empathy. So talking to veterans these days, I have the empathy to sort of understand. I can't relate 100% to their experience, but I have a good understanding of what they've done. So, you know, me just saying, hey, look, it's fine to feel this way. Um, it enables me to be in touch with them more on a personal level so I don't feel like they're just another number because that's the biggest thing we're seeking um, to a degree. A lot of veterans just seek comfort with talking to other veterans because, you know, it's very it's a very unique experience serving in the military. Um, so to get out, you just sort of want to be able to have a chat to another veteran, have a laugh, you know, talk a bit of shit. Mm. You mentioned there something about the readjustment and um, several conversations that I've had with uh, with professional sports people is they've struggled to detach from a feeling of, or emotion. So when people get, um, when they might get dropped from a team, it sits with them for a long time. You know, or um, there is um, they're they're on a bit of a bad run of form, um, and they get the yips. And hearing your story there, um, having that attachment to something that used to give you a lot of purpose, and then all of a sudden didn't give you a purpose, I think having that self awareness to know that this just doesn't feel right. So moving around to different. Um, different areas um, or different industries and different roles um, mm. to kind of really kind of work that out is, is I think really valuable. Uh, and I think often in society, we get too caught up in I've started, so I must finish this. Uh, if it doesn't, if I have less than two years on my CV, then it's right. And people go through pain for two years when they know in their heart and their head that it's not right. Um, Looking at the work that you do today and the valuable work that you do at Soldier On um, in helping the veterans um, get back into uh, get back into society and, and different different walks of life from where they've been, and ultimately finding that purpose, mm. so they have the right uh, the right physical and, and mental health. Um, what does that look like? What is what does good look like in terms of um, that readjustment? So, adjusting's adjusting's huge because. You know, for a lot of us, and there's a good portion of people that join young, um, <clears throat> but, you know, if you've been on a sports team for a long time, you know how everyone works, you know, you speak the same language. You know, if you go on a footy field and you, you've been playing with this team for years, <clears throat> you guys just operate like a well-oiled machine. So, to go from the military, you know, everyone knew each other very well. You'd be working with a team for a whole year. You knew exactly how you operate. You didn't have to speak some days. You could just – everyone sort of knew their job. So, 
you build up this camaraderie and, you know, we talk about the drive and the purpose um, where you're, you're cold, you're tired, you're in pain, but you know what, more often than not, you're doing it for your mates. You know, you put everything else aside, you know, whether it's the, the mission at hand, the task, you, you're doing it for your mates. So um, when you get out, you don't have that in a way. You know, CB Street's a mass, it's a very different dynamic to what the military is like um, or like being in a sport because you have this level of camaraderie that you may not feel elsewhere. So readjustment is like, it's huge. And you know what? Even I can, I can talk in my experience. I still have days where I want to go back. Mm. You know, I've been out of the, <clears throat> I've been out of full-time military now for three years and I still have moments where I want to go back to the army or I want to go back to Afghanistan because, you know, it's comfortable. It's a comfortable feeling and I almost have to fight it because I know that there's better out there and I can seek better purpose elsewhere. So, you know, for what we do within Soldier On, some of the some of the services we provide to help veterans is biggest thing is psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, psychology is huge and we're trying to break down a stigma for veterans because I used to be super against psychology and it took me sort of hitting rock bottom and, you know, unfortunately almost taking my life to really seek change. Mm-hmm. Um, once we... We provide them psychology services, but one thing that I find is key and crucial, and this is my role, is employment support. So, you know, we sit down with veterans and actually get them to understand their capability because, you know, you go to university for four years, you come out with a degree. I came out of the military of four years and I had a couple of medals and I thank you for your service. And that really made me feel like a failure. So we actually sit down with them and discuss saying, hey, look, you did all these skills of in defense and you may not have something on paper, but you have some really unique soft skills that employers actually really want. Um, and we partner that with education as well. So we give them the opportunity to access reduced and free education to actually help them reskill because it is a crucial part. And I'm going through it myself. I'm actually having to reskill so I can perform my role better, uh, whether it's with a soldier on or, you know, potentially in future careers. Um, and then lastly, we have a so like a social aspect, which is really beneficial at the moment and it's gained some really good traction. So, you know, veterans can catch up in a informal setting and do activities where it's axe throwing, paintball, go-karting, sailing, even the simple stuff as a coffee catch-up, you know, where you could sit down with someone that's had a similar experience, have a chat, talk from your experience and sort of like build that community because community is huge. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs a community, whether it's, um, you know, you've never served or you have served. So, you know, um, for us, these services are more or less aiding in their assistance with adjusting, um, providing that welcome hand. And a lot of us that work within Soldier on our veterans, um, whether we've served in Air Army, Air Force, Navy, Special Forces, uh, we have members as well that are military spouses because we have the military, but we've got spouses as well, which is a whole other dy- dynamic that we're touching upon. So we try to provide that holistic approach to the whole network um, to aid in their readjustment. Okay. And it's amazing what you do for veterans and, and their families. Um, for the listeners out there, if um, if if they know uh, someone who's a veteran who's maybe struggling or, um, again, finding it tough to readjust, whether it be in the last six months or maybe it could be 30, 40 years, right? Because mm. it's, a, it's, it's an evolutionary thing. What pieces of advice would you give around um, around education and 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 kind of have, being part of that community that that would be beneficial for people to share. Mm. So I guess the the best thing I found, and I remember I had a chat to a Victorian Cross winner, um, Mark Donaldson. Um, I don't know if you guys potentially know him, but um, he's a guy that 
was serving the special operations community and one of Victorian Cross for his efforts in Afghanistan. And I got to meet him one day and my first question to him was, what is your advice for getting out? Because I was getting, I was jaded. I had to get out and I'm like, I'm getting out of the military. What is your advice here? And he said, take your time, find what you enjoy, you know, go for the hard jobs, go for the tough times and figure out what works for you. And I thought I was always destined to go down a, you know, uh, I thought I was going to go into the police. I thought I was going to go into another government agency and you know what? It didn't work out. So it took me, like, I guess, doing a little bit of this, doing a little bit of that to find my purpose. And that's what I'll tell any veteran. Take some time to go figure out what works for you and what doesn't and don't be afraid to try something new because we all get so wound up with, um, you know, if we've been in a profession for so long, oh, but this is, this is all I know. Why does that have to be the case though? You know, there's no reason why. If you're if you're unhappy, go find what makes you happy. Even if you've got to try something new, move to a different state, move to a different country um, and, you know, reskill. I found, as I said, after sort of hitting that rock bottom and police didn't work out, moving up and having a fresh start was almost the best thing that ever happened for me. Um, and it, it really opened my mind up for opportunities out there. So, you know, Try to try new things and don't be afraid. Just because just because it seems comfortable doesn't mean it's right. So don't be afraid to actually step out of your comfort zone, no matter how daunting it may feel. Because you know, just because you're feeling it doesn't mean like a lot of people out there are feeling it too. So yeah, just give it a good go. Yeah, I think your words are really inspiring, and um, they don't just stand for people coming out of the military as well, right? I think people across the across the world um, need to hear that. Uh, that there is other ways to look at things and, uh, and and change can happen and sometimes change can happen really quickly um, it, how we give people the confidence to um, to take action is really important um, and, um, and and nothing happens if was it nothing changes if nothing changes. So, yeah, exactly right. Uh, really, kind of to kind of drive that ambition within people, and um, and maybe it's just that little bit of a push of energy uh, to to spark a change can can have a huge impact. Um, Matt, the final question that I've got for you today, and thank you so much for uh, for the for the detailed um, for the detailed overview that you've given us of your story and what you're doing today, and thank you uh, for for what you're doing in, inside the community. How would you define resilience? I think the best way to define it is being self-aware. I think emotional intelligence is utter key for being resilient, understanding sort of your triggers, um, what gets you, and mastering how to manage it. You know, being aware of your surroundings, whether it's personal around you and um, just adjusting to it as required. So, and I guess always drive. Don't ever stop doing that too. Like I'm, I'm a guy where if I if I don't stop learning, like I'm dead. You got to keep learning and keep going and growing, um, to keep going in life. So never sit still, get comfortable, keep going above those boundaries, um, and finding those new little bits of resilience. Because you know what, you you'd be surprised how far you can push yourself. Um, so you know, be aware of your surroundings, be aware of your own triggers, be aware of your emotions, and you know, once you master them and get in check with them, you know, the world's your oyster. <laughs> 
you know, that, yeah. that classic saying, um, you know, you can put, do anything you put your mind to. And if, you, if you're that passionate about it, you will do anything. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, having that self-awareness is huge. Um, and and a, and a more uh, self-aware nation is, is going to help, right, is if we take that time to understand what our drivers are and understand mm. what's going to get us going and just starting, just starting things um, and, and not having such an agenda for where they need to, I think, is going to really, really help. So many times I hear and speak to people in business um, and they're already thinking about the finishing line and they've, they've celebrated, they're on the podium, mm. um, but they they struggle to decide which, uh, they struggle to get to the starting blocks to even start the race, right? Because they, they don't have those building blocks there because of the that awareness and that ability to take action. Matt, thank you very much for, for your time today and thanks for hearing more about your story. Um, for the listeners, uh, which, where, where online can we get more information about yourself and, and around Soldier On? Yeah, so if you, you know, people want to learn more about sort of the activities we do or how we support our veterans, um, people can just go to the Soldier On website. Um, if you are a veteran or a, uh, a family member of a veteran, you can register your details for us. So if you register as a participant, you then can come through to us and we can provide you whatever support required. So um, jump on the website and if you want to support us, you know, anything is welcome. And Noel, um, thank you very much for having me on board today and, you know, it's been good to have a chat with you. Oh, thanks very much, Matt. I've really enjoyed it. And I noticed on the website you've got uh, you've got some golf days there. So if you need some sponsorship and a couple of people to join a four ball for one of the veteran golf days, uh, you, you, you've got my email address. <laughs> I'll definitely keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Cheers, Matt. I really appreciate it. All right, thanks, Noel. Take care. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Building Resilience podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe and follow wherever you listen. And if you like the episodes, hit five stars. Thanks today to our guest, Matt Oakley. I appreciate your time. And thank you to our sponsor, Securo. If you'd like to know more about myself or Securo, you can head to securo.io. Securo, trust tomorrow. This podcast was made by Afternoon Sport Group. G'day, this is Tim Gilbert. And I'm Shane Lee. Together, we'll bring you the only podcast you'll need to get your daily dose of sport. With episodes out Monday to Friday afternoons, ready for you on your drive home. We've got a quick hit of sports headlines, keeping you up to date with the news you need to know. And we'll take a deep dive into the stuff you've always wanted to know. Cannot wait. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss it. We'll see you then.